seven brows. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Welcome to episode 31 of the Smash Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. We got a great guest on tonight. Before we do that, you know, we're, we're going to continue our off-season program here and really talk about, you know, what we're going to do and how we're going to make you guys better Dynasty owners. Um, first, let's introduce Mung. Great to have you on here again tonight. I got to see the Brady jersey there in the background. You know, nothing beats, I, I mean, New England... Tom Brady was very easy to hate, right? But this Tampa Bay Tom Brady with him, you know, drinking on the boat, chucking the Lombardi trophy, you know, it's exciting. He looked fantastic. Yeah, I was super pumped on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I'm still kind of getting over that Super Bowl hangover myself. But, you know, we're excited to dive right into the offseason because I've started looking into a lot of the positions and, we're talking about running backs tonight, and luckily that was the first position I started looking into. Um, we've got a lot of different guys we're going to be talking about from the 2020 class, but also on the lookout because I'm dropping an article tomorrow about some free agency buys at the running back position, um, looking into guys who are going to move around and the, their teammates as well. Of course, you can find that over at Fantrax, and of course, you guys can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Yeah, and, and the one guy that had that rookie fever in that in that running back class that we're not even going to talk about tonight is Keyshawn Vaughn. You know, with Tampa Bay, just been a was a disappointment, obviously, to a lot of owners, especially people that we've seen take as high as 105, 106. We're going to talk about some great running backs tonight. And in order to do that, I brought on my former co-host of the Dynasty Refinery, friend and the the owner of the world's largest collection of fanny packs this side of the Mississippi. It's oh, Jared right. Fox. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's been a while. It is. It is. It's great to have you back, you know, and, and, oh, and talk, talk and shop here a little bit. And, and for those of you guys that didn't listen to us at Dynasty Refinery, one thing that Jared always hit on is the running backs, you know, and he recently just beat me in a fantasy championship, you know, because of some of those running backs and, and the ability to, you know, scout some of the talent. And we've been touting this 2020 class for so long. It looked fantastic and it really... You know, it was right where we thought it was going to be, and it helped people win multiple championships. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to really cover this class. We're going to talk about, you know, where you should be taking them up in startup season. You know, what we want to do with whose values on the rise, what value these guys have at the moment. Talk about the 2021 season and what that outlook could be and really just dive into these running backs. And then after that, we're going to do a mini pod where the three of us are going to, you know, break down and we're going to do a mock draft of, all three classes, 2019, 2020, 2021. So you guys can see and hear exactly where these new rookies are going to line up because honestly, there's going to be some great running backs in that class as well. So let's just jump right in. Obviously the 101 of all running backs, you know, I know at Dynasty Refinery when we were doing this, Jonathan Taylor, you know, that was my guy. He was the 101 for me and he blew up, right? I mean, right now he is at a point where he is a round one startup pick value in some formats. Uh, going off as maybe the RB3, RB4 off the board, and he killed it. I mean, he was the RB5, 232 carries, almost 1,200 rushing yards with 11 touchdowns, five yards per carry. Obviously one of the best offensive lines there, and there's there's not a lot to debate when it comes to Jonathan Taylor. You know, we put a Twitter poll out talking about the rest of the guys. Almost everybody in the industry has Taylor at one. Um, Jared, since, you know, you and I were, we had Swift and Taylor 1A and 1B. Why don't you talk to the, to everybody a little bit about what you saw from Jonathan Taylor down the stretch? Yeah. Well, what I think I saw with Jonathan Taylor the most was he got comfortable as the year went on. So coming out of college, you know, there, it was widely speculated, you know, his fumbles were going to be an issue coming into the pros. He had quite a few fumbles in his junior and senior year. I think, yeah, he played to his senior year. At uh, oh my god, I can't even think of what college he went to anymore. Nebraska, Wisconsin. I don't get one of those cold, cold region schools. But uh, no, he uh, 
I thought that what happened was in the beginning of the year, he was extremely hesitant, and you could see that behind the line. He didn't have a lot of bursts coming out. It looked like he was really trying to protect the ball. He was trying to be comfortable, trying to do the right things, but he wasn't actually, you know, running with full power like he could, you know, unleashing the beast. And in the second half of the year, I think he just, you know, he had a good game or two, and he caught some confidence and it was great to see him once he got going because he showed how good he is and that line is so damn good that it's just like it's it's a perfect combination you know he's a guy you should be high on and should feel safe about grabbing especially if you're building you know if you if you're building you want a young running back you know so you don't want those older running backs or you want some receivers and I mean he's a guy that I think merits you know an early second round pick in startups because he just seems very safe to me, and it's it's such a good team. But hopefully they get a quarterback and they get rolling even more. I mean, I agree with you. He probably is the 101 right now for me as well. Yeah, and, and the thing with Taylor is, and you talked about it being hesitant, and a lot of analysts were looking at it like he had vision problems. And we know from all the scouting that we did that he did not have vision problems in college. He saw the hole. He hit the hole. And that, over that final eight-game stretch there, he looked fantastic. Mung, were you impressed with Jonathan Taylor, the way he played down the stretch? And, you know, I know you have another guy who's right up here neck and neck with him, but where are you comfortable right now taking Jonathan Taylor in a startup and how aggressive should be people pursuing him right now? Yeah, I'd have no issue with anyone taking Taylor to back half of the round in super flex startups. And, you know, speaking of his struggles on the ground, really, we looked at the offensive line and they were very good overall. Um, per football outsiders, they actually came in seventh in adjusted sack rate, so very good at pass protection. But their run blocking was surprisingly pretty low. They were ranked just 20th in adjusted line yards. So there's a possibility here that Taylor could get even better on the ground. He already ranked third in yards before contact per carry. But, you know, even more than that, you guys talked about his vision and, you know, just that dominance as a runner. But he's that true three down back because – as a receiver, his skills were actually very, very good. And by very good, I mean top of all running backs in 2020. He was first among all running backs in receiving yards after the catch per reception. Uh, to put that into context, uh, Alvin Kamara and Eckler came in at 8.8 uh, receiving yards after the catch per reception. Taylor led all running backs with 10.2. And only two other running backs had more than nine yards after the catch per reception, and that was Dalvin Cook. And then surprisingly enough, Miles Gaskin, who might actually be a, a little bit of a sleeper too, but we'll talk about him another time. Yeah, that, that's some uncharted territory there. I mean, what I saw was 38 targets, 36 receptions, and what he did with them was fantastic. And coming into it, the debate was, well, he can't catch passes. You know, he's not going to catch, catch balls, and that's where he's going to struggle. He's going to be a Derrick Henry type. And he really shook things off. Um, what we did next was, we, you know, we put a Twitter poll out there. We said, listen, everybody knows Jonathan Taylor is the 101 of this class. But let's break it down here and let's let you guys, you know, we, we like to be interactive with Twitter and see what you guys think. And the, the remarkable thing is once we put the poll out, and, and Jared, you're going to like this, but it's almost identical to how we had it preseason before the draft is Jonathan Taylor one, DeAndre Swift two, Dobbins three, and then Akers four, Clyde Edwards five. So the thing is that I want to caution people. We are in, in the area that we're about to look into rookie drafts, right? And we're going to start looking into that. Your draft analysis and your pre-draft analysis is super important because that college tape matters. What they do at the combine matters. And sometimes you get that golden landing spot like Clyde Edwards Hilaire did. Sometimes you, you know, talent trumps opportunity. Sometimes it's the other way around, but Trust your gut. I mean, we had these guys this way. And, Jared, you had DeAndre Swift as the 101 forever. He ends up in our Twitter poll at the 102. 42% of our listeners said that they would take DeAndre Swift. And why don't I'm going to let you start here. But, I mean, I, I want to just honestly gush about what he was able to do. I mean, 47% snap share, and he still finished as the RB20, not really getting you know his fair shot at it. Yeah, he looked good, didn't he? I mean – in the receiving game, he really excelled and that carried success into the run game for him. He picked up, you know, in that aspect as well. And it was, it was a bit of a tough year. You know, I, in coming into this year, there's just so much uncertainty, uncertainty when, when you have a new coach, when you have a new quarterback, so many things are changing. So 
for me, I could have put Swift as at my 101 coming into this next year at the running back position. Now, I can see how Jonathan Taylor seems like the better, you know, option. But I mean, coming out of the year, I think I you could have had them somewhat interchangeable, in my opinion. Now with all this new stuff going on, it's just hard to say. Like, will he get it going? Will they just let him tote the rock and and run with it? I would think they would, but it's again, I just don't know what to what to think about his success going into this next year. I actually have Clyde above him for that one reason. But, I mean, as far as talent goes, we saw it. You know, he has it. And he's going to be great in the uh, receiving game. He's a dual threat type of running back. He dealt with, you know, some injuries, some concussions. He missed a bunch of games in a row. I think it was like three or four, you know, down the end end of the year there. But I don't know. It's it's tough with every – everything's changing there. I hope that that paints success for him. I think in the long run, I think you're going to get like four – really good years out of the guy um if you hang on to him but it's it's just tough to say how he's going to do next year and and how he's going to start the year you know i have no problem uh believing the narrative that in the second half of the year that he's probably going to be good no matter what you know teams are going to be worn down they're going to be running the ball regardless but it it matters you know how he's going to start the year and i just don't know what that's going to look like for me yeah those are good points i mean obviously Taylor's up there. He's consistent. We know what we're going to get. DeAndre Swift, I mean, 4.6 yards per carry. He had over 10 touchdowns, 323 yak yards. So, I mean, we know what he can do in open spaces. And the new head coach wants to use Swift like Kamara. He's already said he wants to get him out there in open space. He wants to utilize him in the receiving game. And then now you add in Deuce Staley is – you know, he's been scouting DeAndre Swift since high school, he said. He considers him a special skill set with – a three down potential back, you know, somebody who's can really excel at this level. Um, Mung, given the lion share, you know, a little bit of a dad joke pun there. What can we really expect from DeAndre Swift? I mean, what kind of, with his skill set, given this new opportunity, what can we expect from him in 2021? I'm actually a lot higher on Swift going into his sophomore season than I was on him as a rookie because, you know, six months ago, it feels like six years of quarantine and COVID, but just last offseason, I was pretty low on Swift due to projected workload. Now, at that time, we had Matt Patricia, who we knew preferred a committee backfield, and the Lions' offense in general was a mess. And, you know, I expected his stock to actually decrease uh, during the season and to be a buy this offseason. But, you know, I was wrong. I waited too long because the Lions really started to feature Swift later on in 2020. Um, his usage trended up before, like Jared said, even before the games that he missed with that concussion. And then to close out the year, he was playing, you know, 68, 68% of the snaps in weeks 15 and 16. And now you've got Adrian Peterson, a pending free agent. He's probably gone. And then carry on Johnson, you know, he's signed through 2021, but at this point, he's mostly a change of pace guy, mostly an afterthought even. And, you know, that's just on the ground because, As you guys pointed out, Swift is a dynamic receiver. In fact, again, I'm going to go back to the stat that I really love for running backs, which is yards after the catch per reception. And Swift was 11th among all running backs. With with Jared Goff there, there's a little bit of concern if the offensive efficiency is going to suffer a little bit. But as a receiver, Swift's role should probably expand even more than his rookie year. Galladay, Jones, Amendola, those guys are all pending free agents, and there's a chance that none of them are going to be back in 2021. So they're going to add some wide receiver depth one way or another, but I'm really high on Swift going into next year for the same reason that I'm high on Hawkinson is just pure target volume. And, you know, I'm betting that Goff is going to go to his two most talented guys early and often, and that's going to be Swift and Hawkinson. Yeah, and, and looking at his receptions, I mean, 323 yards after the catch out of 357. And we saw in college that he could line up wide. They could, you know, most of those were all screen passes. I, I love that you brought up on Johnson because the idea of this episode, I mean, after on Johnson's rookie year, he was approaching third round startup value. Most of these guys are going second and third round startup value. So we're trying to, you know, assess these on Johnsons before that happens. And DeAndre Swift does look like the real deal. And you brought up a great point that, we missed the buying window on DeAndre Swift, right? We thought we were going to get him cheap. We missed the buying window on this next guy as well. If you went in and you bought DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins before that, you know, week nine, week 10 area, 
you probably got a discount. Now you're going to pay up. I mean, both these guys are going second round in startups. Again, Jared, just further going with what you and I had is we had these guys. J.K. Dobbins was our third best running back in this class. Um, Very similar situation, 43% snap share, 36% of the rushing attempts, and just a mind-blowing 2.2 fantasy points per touch. Just let that sink in a little bit. Like every time he touched the ball, he was killing it. Um, He finished the RB10 over the final seven weeks with a touchdown in every game. Now we got Gus Edwards as a free agent. Mark Ingram gets released. I mean, Jared, how high do you see the ceiling for J.K. Dobbins this year? You know, moving into a situation where, yes, I believe they bring somebody else in. It is the Baltimore way. They don't try to give it completely up to somebody. But, I mean, what kind of limitations and what kind of ceiling are we looking at with J.K. Dobbins? Well, I don't know. I think that that's tough for me to answer just because it's how much is Lamar going to take, you know, when it comes to the rushing game. I, I think that this year they were trying to be a lot more conservative with him running the ball and they're going to continue to try to feed it more to the running backs and let Lamar attempt to throw from the pocket, you know, (laughs) at least enough to stay in games and then they can unleash him a little bit more later in the games to try to preserve his health. I think that Baltimore is always going to have those short yardage guys like the Gus bus. And, you know, they're going to bring in other running backs. Like you said, run a committee. It's kind of like the Eagles. They just never seem to, ever commit to one running back fully and give that volume for me. I feel like his upside is limited and I feel like he's going to be more of a boomer bus type of guy. I don't think he has as much upside as some of the guys that are also on this list, like Clyde, like Swift or Taylor or even acres acres. I really like as well for me. If there's any of those running backs that I'm avoiding, it's probably Dobbins just because I don't know if, He's going to be consistent, and it's sort of the same type of feeling I always get when I think of Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is very talented, but they're going to keep him at bay, and they're going to try to use him in the right situations. They don't care about what he does for our fantasy teams. And that oh, you're jumping on both a, my guys there, Robbins and Sanders. Yeah, they're both super talented. You know what I mean? It's kind of just situation for me, for them, but – Again, a guy like Dobbins can come out and put up like three weeks where he's, you know, top five RB all those weeks in a row and then, you know, not do much for a little for a couple games. And I feel like that's going to be his his the frustration you're going to have with him in fantasy just because of that offense. I mean, I don't know, man. And those touchdowns that are going to be snaked out, it just seemed like especially with Gus around and hopefully they don't bring in any anyone else because. I mean, anyone too good, because if, if there's anyone else that's in the rotation like that, I'd say that I'm a little bit nervous for what his value is, especially where you have to take him. I mean, what is he, a third round ADP now? or He's in yeah. the second. In yeah, the second, in, okay. So Him and Swift are going about two or three spots apart, you know, so it's it's a tricky situation. That's the thing. That's a high ADP, you know, for, I don't know. Yeah. We're looking at a small sample size, and that's what we're trying to, you know, assess for people. Um, Mung, you know, he – Dobbins, I'm very big on Dobbins. You you know that. You know, 134 carries for 800 yards, nine touchdowns, became one of only two running backs in NFL history in their rookie season to average over six yards per carry as a rookie. Mung, since it's you, and this is the you know the guy that we've kind of harassed you about all year. Do you know who the other one is? Uh, is it Clyde? No, Alvin Kamara. (laughs) Alvin Kamara. And so he has that kind of upside. I mean, John and I were talking week in, week out. It was a free Dobbins campaign, right? We wanted them to unleash him. We talked about it every single week. Like, hey, this is going to be the week. Because when you saw him, he flashed. I mean, he was literally, there were games where he had three carries for like 48 yards. And I'm like, how is he only getting three carries? I mean, the guy looks fantastic. He looks electric kind of what Jared said at times where Miles Sanders looked that way, where he was almost averaging six yards per carry. Do you think Baltimore hands him the keys to the offense? Yeah, I'm sorry to rain on your parade here, but uh, I'm actually on the same page as Jared on this one. We got to bring John Um, back on, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've got you outnumbered on this one, I think. But uh, you said it, right? He looked electric, that burst he had at time where he just blew through that front seven. But You know, I think the risk here is, again, as Jared already said, in terms of volume. And that's an incredibly important thing for a running back to have to have fantasy success because we know they waived Mark Ingram, so he's out of the picture here. 
Um, but Gus Edwards is a restricted free agent, so they can tender him and keep him for pretty cheap. Yeah. And I do think that Baltimore is going to, given how he performed in 2020. So assuming that Edwards stays here, you know, looking from week six onward of 2020, that's when they really started phasing out Ingram out of this offense. And even excluding the game that Dobbins missed with a chest injury, he averaged 11.4 carries per game. Edwards averaged 9.9. So that's close to a 50-50 yeah. split. And then even more so, you know, touchdowns score fantasy points the quickest, right? And if we look at red zone attempts, Dobbins and Edwards each saw an even split of exactly 25 carries inside the 20. So really, you know, it's just tough to see Dobbins having that elite ceiling, given that I do think the Ravens are going to keep this a committee of sorts. And we've talked about Lamar Jackson. He's going to get his share of the rushes, especially in the red zone. But that said, I don't think that's, you know, cause to be super down on Dobbins either. Baltimore did lead the league in rushing attempts in this past year. Uh, and that was with 350 combined to the running backs, Dobbins, Edwards, and Ingram. So, you know, the most run-heavy team on the NFL, even if Dobbins just gets like 60% of the carries, that's still fun. Um, and again, assuming they don't add a third, I think that he can reach that low-end RB1 tier, but I just don't see him being in that elite top five or so. And then, you know, I mentioned that, and that's, yeah, where a lot of people, that's where a lot of analysts have him right now is in that that top five to eight. Oh, you know, we're not talking rookies now. I'm talking top five to eight running backs overall, you know, and, and they're really we're really trying to push that youth in there. I'm seeing a lot of people have Jonathan Taylor over Christian McCaffrey and I'm seeing Swift and Dobbins getting pushed in there above Saquon or in that same area. And I'm like, just pump the brakes a little bit. It was a great rookie season. You know, let's let's appreciate it for what it is, but let's not vault them into that same status yet. Yeah, and for the same reason, I think Gus Edwards is pretty undervalued right now because I think you can get, you know, sneaky RB2 production out of him for, what, a mid-late second-round pick, maybe less? I know, and you took him in the startup. We have our, our Smash Accept Listener League startup going on, and it has been fantastic. I mean, Jared, you would appreciate the amount of trades that have been there. There's been over 80 trades. It even made the trades, the leagues that you and I did look you know a little bit silly when it comes to it we have not had one round out of 25 we're on we're on the 24th so we're almost done we have not had one round without a trade we're without somebody moving out of there so we are a trade podcast we talk about it all the time and people have taken at the heart and made some moves you know uh the next guy ultimately in that same kind of area and no one's risen like this guy has i mean whether it was learning the system, you know, bringing him in slowly. Sean McVay obviously had a plan with Cam Akers, and then he unleashed him. And over those final seven games, including the playoffs, if you extrapolate those stats, you know, if you take what he did over those final seven games, we're looking at a season of 320-plus touches, 1,470 yards, nine touchdowns, 336 receiving yards. I mean, his playoff performance was fantastic. I mean, we're looking at the best rookie playoff performance of all time from a running back as far as PFF grades with an 84.8. We're looking at yards after contact, 154, 13 first downs, 188 rushing yards, and the man killed it. And I know, Jared, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, you know, kind of what you've been working on, but I know you've been collecting a lot of cards lately, and you guys see a similar type thing of collecting cards and dynasty values. And Cam Akers' value, when it comes either of those right now, is is on fire. Yeah. Yeah. He's hot right now. People like him, but I mean, can you blame him? I, he really does look the part. I mean, the dude's a beast. He's built as a three down back and you know, he's good in the receiving game. He's your short yardage back and he's on that potent offense. That's only probably gotten better with Stafford arriving. I think the hype is real for him. Now I, I wouldn't have no issue seeing him being the RB one out of this class, you know, for next year. I think him and Taylor look like great options. This is just such a deep class. And this, that's, you know, it, it's one of those classes that I think four or five backs from this, this class alone are going to be top 10 RBs at some point, with, whether it's the next year or two. It's, it's that We deep. talked about that all the time, right? It yeah. was like, hey, wait for these 2020 rookies. And Cam Akers, great. we talked about it a lot. Cam Akers was obviously the number one recruit out of this class coming out of high school. And in, at Florida State, 
horrible offensive line, horrible quarterback play. And then we were like, well, maybe it just didn't translate to the NFL because he wasn't really getting those options. And Malcolm Brown was out there. Darrell Henderson was out there. And it's like, why isn't Akers getting his shot? And, and sometimes we get so short-sighted in the dynasty community. We're like, well, he must not be that good. You know, like sometimes people just trade him for pennies on the dollar. And it's like, if you held on to him or you bought around that week eight, week nine, and we're going to, it's kind of the underlying theme here is all these running backs started to take off late. If you bought, you won. I mean, it, now, Mung, is that a, like an unfair extrapolation of the statistics of what I'm saying there? Or do you see him as a potential 1,300, 1,400-yard back in the NFL that can do it all? Yeah, I think that's definitely within the realm of possibility. And again, you know, it's not just the production on the ground. Akers was very good as a receiver as well. And, you know, as you guys said, with Matthew Stafford there, you can't really stack the box as much as you could have with perhaps Jared Goff. And, I mean, the only concern, again, is that Daryl Henderson did look, did look good in limited touches as well. Um, so I, I think that Akers has done enough to earn the lead role in this backfield. The only question here is whether some of that gets cut into if he has a bad game here or there. So it was very tight on our Twitter polls when we did that. You know, we were looking at 42% wanted Swift, 25 wanted Akers, 28 wanted Dobbins, 5% wanted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So then we pop up the next Twitter poll. And the guy that wins this, you know, is a guy that just like this Twitter poll, again, came out of un unreasonable expectations, right? I mean, Antonio Gibson finishes the RB13 in PPR formats with just 46% snap shares. He burst onto the scene. We were all skeptical because he's we heard it all, right? Positional convert, 33 carries under his belt when he was in college. And then Ron Rivera comped him to CMC light. Now, you know, he's saying he's looking to expand his role even more. If John was on here, he would be gushing about it because he has he has Gibson above acres. Um, Mung, what I mean, from what we saw of Antonio Gibson as a rookie, how excited should we be for year two of this of this process? Uh, well, let me explain it to you this way. Um, every time I look at my rankings, and I just came out with some dynasty rankings a couple weeks ago, I keep wanting to bump Antonio Gibson higher and higher. Uh, I had him behind Jacobs, Akers, and Dobbins, but I think I'm moving him up past those guys to RB11. And look, coming out of Memphis, the concern was that Gibson didn't really get true running back usage, but if anything, that seems to make him look even better after the facts, looking at what he was able to do as a rookie, still really getting used to that position. And athletically, he comps to basically Jonathan Taylor. And I think he has a similar ceiling to that. And I know I keep going back to this receiving yards after the catch per reception stat. Um, but this to me is one of the most important things to look at when I evaluate how running backs are performing, because we know that volume of touches is important, but also their usage and efficiency as a receiver in this age of PPR scoring is super important as well. And really, this directly measures them as receivers. And Gibson was seventh in running backs in this metric. Um, you know, McKissick is signed through next year. He's going to steal some touches here or there. But, you know, I, I'm optimistic about Gibson really potentially becoming a true three down back. And the only reason he hasn't cracked the top 10 dynasty running backs for me now is just because of the uncertainty at quarterback. We saw Taylor Heineke got signed to a two-year deal earlier today. And, you know, we'll see how that offense rises uh, going into 2021. Jared, we're looking at, I mean, he blew up in the Dallas game. Everything was kind of against him. Alex Smith, I mean, the field was shortened, right? Everything is completely smashing because Alex Smith broke the record for shortest, you know, yards passed per attempt. I mean, it was six yards, which is ridiculous. McKissick was stealing touches left and right. But this is a guy who, you know, he's going to get to play that weak NFC East division multiple times. Are you in, are you buying Antonio Gibson? I know you were a little skeptical going into it. Did he show you enough this year that you are willing to buy in? Yeah. Yeah. I was extremely skeptical of him. I mean, it was just like with those Memphis running backs, you know, I just felt like there was some kind of curse going on there where, you know, whatever system they have, it was making Memphis running backs look good coming out of college. And yeah. I felt like I couldn't trust them, but 
he did exactly what he did in college. He, he made the most of every opportunity he had, made the most out of every touch. And geez, the guy was like a touchdown machine at the end of the year before he started dealing with those injuries. I mean, it was it's tough to not have some kind of belief in him. I want to say that when the offense is bad, as is the case with uh, J-Rob, I feel like that can be deceiving with running back stats. Sometimes they get the ball in a lot of situations where they wouldn't if they were trying to truly win games or if they had a quarterback that could take the game into his hands. Or you know, I, I feel like that can definitely bolster some uh, running back numbers at times. So we'll see. It, you know, If they get a better quarterback, if they get some better playmakers around him, if he can keep those numbers up. But as of right now, he is definitely a dude that I, I'd probably pay the price for him. I mean, he's what, what's his ADP right now? Like a late he's third, going, early fourth. He's going third, third round right now. Yeah. I, yeah. I honestly, I'd take a, a gamble on that. And I feel safe because I think going into next year, I think guys are going to be really high on him. I think the hype train's going to be going. So if you're not feeling good about it, I think you can cash out, you know, I'm kind of talking about it like it's cards right now, but you, you know, you can do it in dynasty I, too. Like I you did can cash, cash out. out on him. I know yeah. we're the league you and I are in together, you know, and I, we went toe to toe there and everybody knows that I was in so many championships and it was like, I was all in and Derek Henry was my guy. I mean, I literally, I sold Taylor and Gibson and Dobbins to push in for the championship. You know what I mean? Mm. Those are, those are things that it it stings even going over this now. I'm just like, ah, you know, I gave Gibson and I gave Gibson and Boyd to get Derrick Henry, you know, and I was okay with that because I was like, I'm pushing all in. Let's, let's kind of win this. And both the guys were out. And sometimes that's a tale you don't want to talk about. You know, you don't want to admit your mistakes. And for me as a podcast, (laughs) podcaster as an analyst like those are moves that i don't advocate moving but sometimes you just get so hungry to win right and you just push the chips in um, i know i did that against you i traded <laughs> uh swift clyde and uh josh jacobs to pull it out against you there and i know that, that stung but g- since it was for you mike i thought i was the one <laughs> the whole year just so everybody knows and that was yo but it, it was a blast you know and that's that's why we do this you know and it's it's we had a, a podcast where we talked about winning games over sexy rosters. And you got to do that sometimes. The guy who was on everybody's sexy roster alert, right? As soon as he lands in that dream landing spot, we had him as the fifth highest rated running back. He goes to the Chiefs. And now all of a sudden, he's not just the highest rated running back in the class. He moves to the 104 in May DLF ADP. 104. Like we're talking about almost to the ceiling, you know, is where he could possibly be. And that, that was just berserk. But now I feel like we're overcorrecting way too much. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has a solid rookie campaign. You know, 803 yards on 181 touches, 4.4 yards per carry. He's 21 years old, 36 receptions. You know, everything was kind of there. But we're really getting a discount on CEH at the time. I mean, I feel like trying to say he's the sixth best running back in this class. And he was tied with James Robinson, by the the way this poll went. You know, that's where we're seeing his value right now. Mung, I'm going to let you go on this one first because I know this is your guy and the fact that he's going as the sixth guy and the same value as James Robinson has to kind of, one, either make you sick or two, make you excited to go buy him right now. Yeah, I'm pumped because I'm going to send out some offers for CH and every single one of my leagues and Really, you know, I've caught some flack on Twitter for this, but here's why I'm still so high on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and that's fine. You know, I'll explain myself because everything's subjective, and I get it. But, you know, going into week 15, before he suffered uh, that hip injury against the Saints, where do you guys think he ranked in PPR scoring among running backs? Mm, 16. Mm, I was going to say more like RB10 maybe. Okay, so split the difference. He was RB13 in PPR. Okay. Um, and I feel like people are acting like he was like RB27 or something like that, the way that, you know, some are super down on him. And I think it's just insane to me. We have a guy who was a close to a top 12 running back, right? And a lot of people talk about inconsistency as well, being up and down week to week. But He had just three games with fewer than 10 PPR points, and one of those was the Saints game where he had to leave early. Uh, A lot of discussion about, again, his inefficiency as an actual runner, and that's warranted because 
Edwards Alaire was just 24th among running backs in rushing yards after contact per carry. Uh, but if we're knocking him for that, um, here are some guys who ranked lower than him in terms of yards per carry after contact. Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Ezekiel Elliott, they all were tied with him at 2.1 uh, yards per, uh, per carry after contact. Antonio Gibson and Josh Jacobs were behind all those guys, 2.0 yards after contact per carry. And then DeAndre Swift was way down the list at 1.7. So, yeah, there were some struggles, but let's also not forget that the Chiefs had their starting right guard opt-out preseason. Uh, they missed their starting right tackle for most of the year where, you know, CH excelled really was as a receiver. And that was a big part of his resume and why Kansas City drafted him. And, you know, we talked about Swift as a dynamic receiver. He was 11th in receiving yards after contact per catch. And then CH was actually better uh, with 8.2 yards uh, after contact per reception. And that was eighth among all running backs. So I think a lot of these concerns about CH are just way overblown. He's a steal to me right now going behind all these other rookie running backs in fact, Justin Edwards over at PFF and 4 for 4, he ran a poll a couple weeks ago. 40% of people valued CEH as a late first-round rookie pick, which is just nuts to me. I mean, RB13 and PPR behind a hurt offensive line, still learning that offense, that's pretty much his floor. I, give me that kind of safe near RB1 production with elite upside in that Chiefs offense. Well, we almost made him a post-hype sleeper in one season instead of two seasons, right? Sometimes we hype a guy and then he we, we want him to do something, right? Kind of like Drew Locke this year. We wanted him to do something and then he doesn't do it. So his value goes down. So then you can buy him. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did, he had a fairly solid rookie season. We just wanted to discount him. Um, Jared, you know, throughout the rookie process, we were kind of debating, is he uh, CEH or MEH? Is it, you know, a little bit of meh? Obviously, being the only guy going in the first round, having that fifth-year option to play with Mahomes the entire time, are you now a believer in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that you should be going out and buying him based off the situation? Yeah. Yeah, I'm buying I'm buying Clyde all the way. And I agree, but like a late first is – absolutely ridiculous i mean he's still tied to patrick mahomes they're gonna be angry next year i think they're gonna come out and show some teams what's up and clyde looked mean in the super bowl man that was one thing i took away he looked really good and uh, watching them during the year a lot i thought they seemed like he was taking a lot of hits like you know he wasn't he wasn't delivering them he was taking them and it seemed like he was getting banged up a lot i think he was getting used to the nfl used to you know the kind of hits that they deliver these are bigger bodies coming at you than in college even when you're playing for lsu but i mean man in the super bowl he impressed me he was delivering hits he looked good and that was very promising that was all i needed to see and i i'm a total believer in him and i still give him about the same value as I did coming into the year. You know, I think that he can be a top five running back overall eventually. And I, I think it's going to be this year. I think that's important in the process of, of admit the, like as a dynasty owner, as a dynasty analyst, even as just as a, as a player, you know, like seeing Clyde Edwards, Hilaire was a guy that you weren't necessarily in on. And so was Antonio Gibson, but now you're buying them. And it's, it's, it's smart to do those things before it happens among the poll you said had them at late first. I would say, I mean, it has to be 101, 102 for the, these top six guys. I mean, there's no way. Now, Taylor's going to cost you more, but if you had the 101, why not trade? I know we're not talking super flex. I mean, we're, that would be in another spectrum here. But Najee Harris or these guys, I mean, that we're going to talk about that in our next pod. But would you rather have Najee Harris over any of these six right now? I would not. Um, and while we're talking about trade values real quick, you know, we're, we're talking about all these guys in terms of range of outcomes, but they all have a fairly safe floor. And, you know, outside of Dobbins, I, I think they all have pretty high ceilings. And so for me, I think the takeaway should be this, is that I'm willing to move off any one of these rookie running backs for another one of them, plus, you know, an early second. I would gladly trade down, quote unquote, within that tier. Well, and I mean, it's crazy. We had on Izzy Alcafaz a couple weeks ago, and he just kind of re 
got me into the the trade calculator and looking at things right now, I mean, you would have to give up James Robinson and Clyde Edwards Hilaire to get Jonathan Taylor. That's that's what kind of value we're looking at on Clyde Edwards Hilaire is almost a late first behind Dobbins, behind Swift. And he's also dropped behind Gibson in dynasty value. And if someone's offering me a first round pick and Clyde Edwards Hilaire for one of these guys, that is a smash except right there. Yeah, for sure. I have Edwards Hilaire in that same tier as Taylor still. All right. All right. Hey, I, and I love that you're staying with that. One guy that we're going to get to here obviously came out of nowhere, you know, free agent takes over and, literally was the only guy that we could say out of this whole class that was a bell cow the whole year, right? James Robinson looked the part, you know, he's the only feature back from day one and he has over a thousand yards rushing 49 receptions. And now he gets Trevor Lawrence with a year of seasoning under his belt, but there's definitely some concern there as well. I mean, Jared, you know, you and I have debated a lot over James Robinson I mean, was it the opportunity or is the talent there? Was it just the the perfect storm? And how should we value him going into 2021? I mean, the the only thing I noticed watching J-Rob this year was he was very consistent. You know, he kind of had that, what I saw out of uh, Jordan Howard, his rookie year when it comes to the run game, but he also had, was very sure-handed. He caught almost every pass that was thrown to him that was catchable. I mean, he was a very very reliable running back, you know, steady as he goes type of guy. But I don't think that I see his role expanding any more than it was this year. Their offense was so down. They were not trying to win games. They were like, all right, we got our third string running back in. Let's just feed him the rock as much as we can and see what happens. I, if they were trying to win games, they wouldn't have started what's his face over uh, Gardner Minshew when he came back. You know, they were like, "We're yeah. going with the the better guy." Yeah, that was them going with there the was better a couple, guy, right? A couple was it Glennon or we, they had Glennon and, and Luton. Luton, yeah. yeah, it was like a bunch of them, and yeah. they they weren't doing that because they thought that either of them were better than Gardner Minshew or going to yeah. win them games. They did that because they wanted to get but an early pick. And we have we have to look at twenty twenty one now. Is it's still James Robinson's backfield. You know, I feel like early on in the season where like, I was buying him for second round picks. I did it in a couple leagues with you where people were like 2022 20, second. I don't believe this guy can keep it up, but the Jaguars are in a process where, you know, they need that running back to take a little bit of pressure off Trevor Lawrence, make Trevor Lawrence's first year be a little bit more smooth transition. And who better than a guy that literally 400 yards, yards after catch on, you know, basically he had 344 receiving yards, but 400 yards after the catch, he's catching balls in the backfield and making things happen. Um, You know, he might not be as electric as the guys above him, but James Robinson is a good value here at this point, you know, as the seventh guy. I mean, you didn't even have to, you probably got him the third round, fourth round, and a lot of times picking him up on the waiver wire. And that's one thing we want to look at right now is, you know, in, in February of 2019, Miles Sanders was the RB8 of that class. So we had people on, you know, we had Chad Parsons on and we had uh, Matthew Hicks on to talk about some of these guys, but just keep that board moving. You know, we're going to evaluate and reevaluate these rookies and, and kick them up, kick them down and, and kind of talk about things during this whole process here at Smash Except. Um, Mung, let's, we're, we're running a little bit short on time, but anything on James Robinson you wanted to add? Yeah, I mean, he's behind all these rookies that we talked about so far. But again, the gap isn't that big. You know, again, this is another guy who has a lot of defenders on Twitter. And to their point, he's very good. I don't think, you know, he's going to get benched next year. I don't think that's even in consideration. But all we're saying here is from a risk perspective, he came in undrafted, which means that he could be easily replaced. And we just don't know what Urban Meyer is going to do as an NFL coach. So that risk factor is there, and that's the only reason he's slightly behind these other guys. I think they're going to bring in either a veteran or another rookie um, to split some of those touches, but he's definitely going to stay the lead back given what he did in 2020. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. Another guy I'm excited to see what he can do after, you know, not really doing much the entire year. Looked, Looked the part in his only game over five carries. But when A.J. Dillon got that chance against Tennessee in the snow, he just erupted 21 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. And, you know, the knock on him was, you know, he's not going to get very involved in the run game or in the in the passing game. But, man, he looked like a miniature version. And when I say miniature, he's a big dude, but a, a lesser version 
of Derrick Henry in that game. And I know we're all getting excited about that one game and a little bit what he did down the stretch. Small sample size, but can we expect more of this, Jared? You know, let's say if if Aaron Jones does not resign, everyone's acting like that. It's not a possibility. They are a little bit tight under the cap. So let's assume Aaron Jones is out. Is Aaron Dillon or is AJ Dillon a guy that is worth a late first, early second right now? He might be. I mean, he's he's a beast of a man. He did look good last year um, when he got to play, especially in that game in the snow. He took that over. I think, didn't you tell me that week? Weren't you like, yo, I just traded him and somebody for that game. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, because I remember that. I saw his stats and I was like, dude, because you were, you were just trading him for that one week. And <laughs> that's one week he blew up. But uh, yeah, I think that, LaFleur is trying to build his own team. You know what I mean? And I think we're going to, we're probably not going to see that next year. I think Rodgers will be back. I don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Jones. I mean, who knows? Maybe they get him for a one year contract because they're like, hey, we have Rodgers for one more year. Get Aaron Jones down for one more year if he doesn't demand a huge one, which he may. So, I mean, if they could get those guys back for one more year and save uh, love and A.J. Dillon, you know, for two years from now, let LaFleur, you know, strut his picks a little bit, then I'd say, you know, you could probably get him cheaper, but I don't know. How can you make an opinion on him? If Aaron Jones comes back, he's in one tier. If Aaron Jones doesn't come back, he's in another that's, tier. It's that's a total what's risk. Fun about, that's what's fun about Dyson right now. Um, Mung, you and I have talked about it a while. I mean, Green Bay is in a situation where we, we basically – I would love to have Aaron Jones back. I would love to have Aaron Jones in Buffalo. Everybody knows that. But there, there's a little chance that he comes back, very slim chance. If he doesn't, what are you willing to pay for, for Dylan right now? I, you know, I'm operating under the assumption that Aaron Jones will not be back with the Packers next year. And it's really because of the playoffs. I mean, look at, look at what happened against Tampa Bay in that NFC championship loss, right? Jones was awful. And even worse, he highlighted some durability issues too, by getting knocked out of that game. So it's tough for me to see Green Bay spending that money to extend him when they spend a second round pick last year on Dylan for this exact contingency. And Jones hasn't really made a case that he's critical to this offense. We know this is Aaron Rodgers' offense. And we know that their defense has cost them two trips to the Super Bowl in consecutive years now. So that's where they need to spend in free agencies on defense, not at running back. And as for Dylan, again, you know, tiny, tiny sample size. Don't ever let anyone tell you I said that A.J. Dillon is Christian McCaffrey. But in his two catches... He had a broken tackle rate of 13%, which was behind only McCaffrey and his small sample size. So he's not a bad receiver. And we saw that he actually found success on the ground against the Bucks in that game after Jones went out. And, you know, we know how stifling that run defense is. I think Dylan is a huge buy at this point. Look, it's a gamble because, sure, maybe Aaron Jones does come back. But all of fantasy is a gamble. You know, at this point, it's what's the most likely outcome. And I do think that Dylan is going to be the starter heading into 2021. If you can get him for a late first or less, I'm all over that. Personally, I would need a, a mid first, you know, 1.5 or so uh, to sell Dylan at this point. I like that. And and just to put that perspective, he is definitely backing that up because in our draft, uh, Jared sell, sell Brady took him the pick before you, and I know you complained about it, and ha- you're like, oh, I have to take Cortland Sutton. So that's what kind of value we're looking at A.J. Dillon is is when one of our guys is complaining that he has to take Cortland Sutton because A.J. Dillon was gone. you know. And I know that's a positional scarcity, and that's a lot of what this is about the running backs. Jared, I'm going to let you talk about this last guy here. Um, you know, I'm a Buffalo guy. I know you're kind of believing a little bit of, you know, that it's no longer Devin Singletary's show in Buffalo, which – I don't know if you can say it's his show when he had like six carries a game. But now Zach Moss, you know, 86 pick in the draft. Buffalo did put some draft capital in here, and he, he flashed a little bit at times. What did you see from him? I mean, with Zach Moss, he did look like the better running back. Again, it's kind of the same thing like you see with Baltimore. How much of the run game is Allen going to take, especially in the red zone? You know, he takes a lot of those short touchdowns and stuff. But I think that that – I feel the same about Moss as I did before the season started. And that's that he's the more dynamic, the more sensible running back because he's better in the short yardage situations. He's a little better built for that, but um, he can also catch the ball and he looks good. So 
he had a lot of injuries this year. He's he's a later round guy. He's not the same tier as some of these other dudes. But I mean, I think that he's one of those guys. I'm all right. So I'm gonna go talk about redraft. I know we're talking dynasty here, but in redraft, he's one of those guys. I think I'll sneak in at the very end of my roster. You know what I mean? Just because then you might have the Buffalo backfield on lockdown. And I think that he could have some value. I it, It's probably going to be a committee for the most part. But, you know, if Devin Singletary gets hurt or whatever, he's the guy that I want to have. I feel like he could actually put up good numbers in the right situation, if given the chance. Yeah, and he's a guy you can get added in on deals. The one thing we're, we're talking about a lot is just and, – and you saw it in this startup, Mung, is the running backs – you know, that's that positional scarcity. They're all going early. You know, it's the quarterbacks, it's the running backs, the wide receivers are so deep. And then it hits a cliff, like right after David Montgomery and A.J. Dillon, where no one drafts a running back for like three or four rounds because we're not sure where these guys are going to be. And I, I know I've heard you say it before. It's tough drafting a guy when we don't know the situation. Yeah, and I, and I think at that point, you wait. Um, once you get past that Dillon area – Wait until, you know, guys who are worth that mid, late second range who can have a ton of upside. You know, Gus Edwards, who we already talked about. Uh, Damian Williams is coming back next year after he opted out pre-2020 due to COVID. He's a guy that's basically forgotten by everybody. Miles um, Gaskin, Miami's probably going to add somebody, but he was super efficient when he was on the field. Uh, even guys like J.D. McKissick, you know, why pay – for guys like Zach Moss, no offense, Jared, the first time we haven't been on the same page tonight. Um, but, you know, I'd rather take a veteran like Melvin Gordon, who I know is going to get a ton of touches. I just don't see a ton of upside in a lot of these guys that warrant a significant increase or a significant gap, excuse me, in draft capital between, you know, that mid-third dart throw guy versus these committee guys who I don't see much upside in. And I love the fact that you almost hit on like all the running backs that you and I took in this startup draft. You know, there's a lot of those kind of values that fall back. Jared, I got to thank you. You know, it's been fun chopping it up again. And both you guys, both Mung and Jared, you guys are both, you know, super awesome to just be honest about it. You know what I mean? If it's not your guy, you don't have to agree with it. Um, you know, we've all been uh, accused of doing some kumbaya stuff here and there and, and agreeing with each other. So it was good that we weren't all on the same page because – this is what people want right now is they want to know about this class and they want to know when they should invest and where they should invest. And I'm really excited about our next pod. We're going to jump on here right after we're done with this, our mini mock of 2019, 2020, 2021. Where's Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders rank as opposed to these 2020 guys. And, and where's Najee Harris and Travis Etienne and, and, and those kind of players going to fall in here. So before we end this episode, Mung, um, why don't you tell everybody you know where they can find your stuff, and then you as well, Jared, and then we'll close it out. Yeah, as, as always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And uh, like I said, I'll be releasing a new article tomorrow on Dynasty running back buys uh, before free agency. So some of the guys I hinted at tonight already, but uh, you can always read a little bit more in detail about them. Yeah. And you can find me at Dynasty Refinery, although I haven't been as active lately since I started <laughs> diving deep into the card world, man. Hey, like that's people, guys our age. I mean, honestly, we got a, a group chat where we got Dynasty Outhouse and we got Goat District and and all, a lot of these podcasters. And we're like, yo, cards are in again. Like it I is, know. it just gets you so excited. And I it's wish a I bunch buy- of kids like every every day you wake up and you see mail day and like yep. it's dudes posting pictures of cards they got. Gets you all jacked up. Yeah, it's not um, like we can actually collect them with our kids because they're so expensive. We are the kids now. I know. So, <laughs> hey, thanks again for tuning in to Smash Accept Podcast and enjoy the process. Boom.